catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Hello, I'm Tony. Join me as I dissect the latest trends in the world of tech from business, agriculture, education, governance and emerging tech. Make it a date with Tony's Tech Side. Let's talk tech. Taijo, good to meet you. Hi. So, uh, thanks so much for having me. Good to meet you too. Great. Yeah, I'm happy to introduce myself. So, I'm Joel. I've been in the e-commerce space, I guess about I don't even know 13 or 14 years. Mm-hmm. Even before that, going back to when I was in high school, I started selling things on eBay back in the day, back in the early mm-hmm. days of the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's funny, funny enough I got my start in tech. I'm I'm originally from the States, but I was living in in Cape Town and struggling to find work and started a few online stores selling Apple products, Apple accessories, cables and stuff. And then through that I ended up long story short getting a job at WooCommerce and so I spent about 7 years working for e-commerce platforms and a lot of that time I was based in South Africa. I later moved to London for a few years, right? went to work for Shopify for a while and that's where I met Shola the CEO of Paystack because we were doing a bit of a partnership between Shopify and Paystack when Paystack first got out of Y Combinator um they were trying to get onto Shopify I worked at Shopify and I said let's do something <laughs> and he's he was so great to work with and I I enjoyed him so much that when I moved back to South Africa I reached out and then ultimately I um, started working at Paystack in 2019 so Yeah, I've um had a few different kind of roles at Paystack, but the thing I've been the most busy with the last few years is getting South Africa off the ground. And um it's been very fun to do something where you go from nothing to something. I mean, I guess not nothing. Paystack was already work, you know, doing well in Nigeria, but in South Africa, we're not, you know, Paystack wasn't that well known, and so it's been very fun to be part of something from zero to one and then trying to figure out how to grow it from there. Thanks for the backstory. Now, if you look back at, you know, those years, how would you describe the growth of the um fintech and e-commerce sector from way back then, even before Paystack till like right now? Yeah. That's a good question. Um there's a lot of ways to answer that. I think maybe the simplest way to answer it is, you know, when I started that we in South Africa and then a Shopify in, in in Europe and looking more globally i think at that time it's almost become normal or like the standard especially in western countries for any retailer to also have an online presence right mm. i think we are seeing that way mm-hmm. more in african markets now i think especially covid just i know a lot of people have talked about it but pushed things way forward where even like restaurants and places that maybe didn't even think about e-commerce are now like had to think about how do i collect money how do i interact with people that aren't right in front of me how do i make keep my business afloat during that tough time but it's come such a long way i mean i remember when i started at woo in south africa there was you know maybe in the low thousands of online stores in south africa most of them were bigger retailers many of them as payment methods just had an option where they would put their bank account and you had to like on the checkout you would have to like send them an email with your proof of payment from your bank account right and mm-hmm. so it's been pretty wild i know i mean at that time i wasn't as in touch with what was happening happening in west africa or nigeria but i'm sure it's not that different right it's come such a long ways i mean it's 
so much easier to get started with payments. As an individual, you can get started with payments. The tools, there's tools now that are free. You know, it used to be considered something you would need to have built. It's now, there's free tools, you know, or you can sell on Instagram, you can sell on WhatsApp um, if you're just getting started. So I think the connectivity to each other has also just helped so much, but it's just so much easier. And so everyone, you know, a lot of businesses are now doing it. I guess the question is now, how do people get good at it? Or like, what are the next steps? How do you build the best platform? Because with it being easier means it's also increasingly competitive and you have marketplaces and you have other people that have come onto the scene. So yeah, I mean, it's a very broad answer, but things have come a really long way. Highlighting access, accessibility, the rise of marketplaces and the, the lower of barrier of entry for people to actually get started. Uh, and the relationship between you know, like payment platforms and e-commerce platforms, how in sync is it at this point in time? Yeah, I think what we see with uh, e-commerce platforms, so, you know, the two most popular ones in Africa and most of the world being Shopify and WooCommerce, you see that they actually have, you know, in the past, I don't know, even seven years invested a lot in their payment stack. So, you know, our parent company Stripe powers a lot of that where they make it so that these platforms can actually create their own payment product. So you have like Shopify payments and WooCommerce payments makes it really simple for people to get started. And the checkout experience is really good. And it's also helped those platforms monetize payments, you know, so they make Shopify makes more money on financial services than selling their software. In Africa, we're, we're, how can I put it gently? I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of these platforms that have done innovation haven't brought all of that to Africa. And I mean, I think at Paystack, we're pushing that envelope, you know, just super easy to get started in minutes. We put a lot of effort into our checkout experience being frictionless and making it work well with e-commerce platforms. So for example, in Nigeria, we're the only payment platform that makes it so you can process your refunds from WooCommerce, right? So I think it's taking that extra step to think about how can we work with these platforms to make it better. Long term, we would love to build a product with WooCommerce or Shopify or these platforms, but I mean, um, there's some limitations there. I think the other thing I could say is, you know, at Paystack, we've rolled out our own storefronts product, right? So I think for for maybe for sellers that aren't ready to spend money on Shopify or build a WooCommerce site or WordPress site or Wix site, mm-hmm. we have a tool where they can just go in, they can set up a free Paystack account and actually build a pretty robust um, online store with a sub subdomain that we provide. If they're just getting started, right? So for free, you can just get your feet wet with e-commerce from payment providers. And I think some of that just comes from trying to meet businesses where they're at, right? Like for someone sitting in South Africa or Nigeria to spend $30 a month when they don't even know if they're gonna do well with e-commerce is quite a big ask, you know? So I think you see some of that, like people thinking about building homegrown tools that work with payment providers to make it easier. Hmm. So let's let's look at the year 2023 and maybe a little bit of 2022 right the year 2023 and a little bit of 2022 what trends did you notice that shaped you know the 
payment and e-commerce space in Africa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can think of a few. I think the first one, and I, I, you'll have to forgive me. I mean, I obviously have a bit of a finger on the pulse in Nigeria, but I spend a lot of my time in South Africa. So some of this is skewed a bit towards South Africa. But I think the first one would be interest in omni-channel. So omni-channel meaning I've got multiple places where I'm selling. It usually refers to having a, sto- a physical store, a retail store and selling online, but it also can refer to like online, social media and retail. And I think this idea of like creating an experience in all of those used to be something reserved mainly for the very, very big brands, the H&Ms, you know, those kind of like the big (laughs) Edgars or whatever, big brands, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think um, increasingly even smaller mom and pop brick and mortar stores are trying to create more of that experience where you can buy something online and pick it up in the store. You can buy something online, you can return it in the store. You can buy something in a store and opt in to be, you know, approached with things online based on your purchase history. So it's a lot about data and customer convenience, but this is becoming a really, really big thing in South Africa with a lot of the larger and mid-sized retailers. And a lot of them are using Shopify point of sale, surprisingly. So a lot of migrations to Shopify happening in Africa. I haven't seen it as much in Nigeria, but it's happening a lot in South Africa. I think another one that's quite prevalent is the emergence of marketplaces. So, I mean, I think everyone in Nigeria knows, knows Jumia. In South Africa, we have one called Take A Lot. Amazon's supposed to launch in South Africa sometime soon. I think everyone knows those really well, but there's a lot there's a lot of niche marketplaces popping up that help with discoverability. So if you think about like, I'm in Cape Town and I want to buy a sofa, you know, and traditionally you would go to lots of sofa stores or you'd search on lots of sofa websites. There's actually like people bringing that together in one place. So I think that's very interesting and it kind of lends itself well to like people that have online stores being able to try to find other um, places to sell their things. So instead of just wholesaling, you could think about like, what marketplaces can I be selling on that will help me get more sales and help me find more customers? I think that's pretty interesting. I guess a couple more I'd call out. One is direct to consumer, like seeing a lot more brands care about selling directly. So historically in, in, in Africa, especially, Brands that have, uh, like, take, a, this is just a random example, GoPro or Nike or something, would, would traditionally sell through reseller networks, right? You know, through other retailers, through whoever. There's a lot of brands thinking about how they can do that while it's having their own online presence and represent, and, like, people can buy it directly through there. And also creating better B2B, B2B experiences for their resellers digitally. There's more I can, I can go on, like, <laughs> but I think, yeah, those are like three that I think are maybe the most interesting, but Anthony, happy to keep talking if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. I, the third one you mentioned, the third one you mentioned is, it's something that's interesting that I, I, I also think is, why do you think that they're, you know, going or deciding to go that route? 
I think it's mainly well. I guess in in in, in the in the Western countries, it's already happened for a long time. That's one thing. So I think for for, for some of them, it's just purely like profitability. Like they can they can actually make more money. But I think it's also it's not when when I say profitability, it's not just a one-time thing. It's the idea for some products that if I'm buying it once from there, they have that data from me and can sell it to me again next year or the year after. So I guess it's about the value chain. You know, if you're selling something and you're having it resold as a company, and then maybe even there's layers between that. By the time you, you might have a, a, a very thin margin from that. So it's tricky though, because I think a lot of the brands would get some pushback from their resellers. But if they're positioned the right way, I think they can have it both ways where they sell products to the resellers, but they're also selling direct to consumer. So yeah, I think it's mainly about profitability, but there's other considerations as well. Okay, that's interesting because a few mm-hmm. years before they would, you know, just decide to sit um, you know, comfortably and conveniently like, you know, like, oh, you guys can like, you know, we can just push it to you. You can resell like we're fine where we are right now. And yeah, profit being. Yeah. Okay. Profit being like the major, you know, drive towards ensuring they, you know, they do that the direct, um, direct <laughs> sales. Okay. Now for me, like with this. I think there might just be some things that the the ecosystem is getting right here on the continent, not just in terms of, um, you know, the exposure that it's getting and maybe the level of trust um, from investors, but maybe a couple of other things that we do not get to see from, you know, just looking at things like from an overview. As someone who is in this space, are there some things you think that have made it much more easier for e-commerce companies to operate on the continent. Look at five Mm. years back, three years back, uh, uh, 10 years ago. What are those things that as a player, is a lot more easier for you to run an e-commerce business? And what do you think is like driving that change or the, the, the positive change? Hmm. It's a good question. I think, okay, I'm always like, my answer is for Africa or South Africa, but I think it's kind of true for both. I think that it's, it's gotten, the the ecosystem has kind of rallied around e-commerce. So if I think back to when I first got started, there wasn't like that many payment options. Some of them weren't that affordable or accessible for small businesses. There weren't apps that helped localize platforms. There wasn't logistics players that made it easy to print labels and do these kinds of things. So I think some of it just broadly speaking is as e-commerce has gotten more popular, there's there's people that have rallied around platforms to make them work better in markets that we're in. So for example, in Nigeria, with WordPress, with WooCommerce, there's actually like a plugin that helps localize WooCommerce to to work from a tax perspective, from Naira, you know, like it does stuff to localize that platform and it was built by a Nigerian developer, right? And so I think the same is true for Shopify. If I think of South Africa, you now have pickup lockers for shipping so people can put stuff in there. You have you just have you have like six different logistics options you know there's a new provider called tunnel 
that if you're selling internationally has made it really affordable to send things to the US, actually anywhere internationally, right? But traditionally places that were very expensive to ship to the US and Europe. And so sellers can actually, small businesses can actually affordably start selling overseas, which is really cool. So I think that's a big one is just like the ecosystem improving the products. And I think that's particularly true with WordPress because it's an open source platform. That's a bit of a technical term, but it just means that you can take it and make it what you want it to be. And so developers love that. And that's why WordPress is the most popular in Africa. It's by far and away the most popular in Nigeria, uh, WordPress and WooCommerce. So yeah, I think that's, that's the main thing. I guess once you have a product that works and a growing number of businesses interested in it, I think it's just had a knock-on effect where people see the opportunity and go for it. I also think, I mean, I don't love this second one, but dropshipping has its issues, but what it's done for e-commerce is that people can think about, so dropshipping is when you don't have your own products, right? You sell online, but you're selling products shipping from somewhere else. So you don't have to buy stock. And I think what that's done for the positive for anyone anywhere is that they can sell, they can start a store in the US if they want to, right? Actually. And I think it's lowered that barrier entry where you don't have to have a lot of money to do it. You just have to like figure out how to get an audience or sell the right products. So, and I think where it has a downside is I just think the experience for the people buying stuff online isn't always great, but it has, I think it's been good for people to realize the potential, even if sometimes it's laced with like false promises, like you're going to get rich and have a boat, you know? <laughs> you're going to have air, you're gonna have a private jet soon, you know? So anyways, I think you get what I'm saying. But yeah, I think it's also a big one. Like there's a lot of people just start online stores. They think they're going to get rich and at least they're tinkering and like trying something, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. So what what challenges using you and the work you're doing in south africa for paystack as an example what are the major challenges that the ecosystem needs to work on i think there's still some big challenges around like cash i mean i guess it's like inclusion or just you know a lot of the e-commerce opportunities in south africa and i'm thinking more about like online stores than like digital payment transactions but like there's still a lot of people that have cards that are issued that don't work with e-commerce there's still logistic issues in south africa when you get outside of the major urban areas i think it's more it's the same in nigeria from what i understand so i think there's some of that access to products you know i think increasingly everyone like we live in a smaller world now, right? Like I can find stuff that I want. Everyone wants to have different things, you know, but it's not that easy for a lot of South Africans to get those things, especially if they can't pay for them easily or they're not sure if they're gonna get those products safely. So I think things have gotten better there, but you know, there's some exciting projects in South Africa to improve open banking and make it easier and safer to pay from your bank account which doesn't really exist in a very safe, very well adopted way. And um, that product's called PayShop. That's a South African thing that's being rolled out. So yeah, I think there's also just a big gap in just education, you know? I mean, we all have access to YouTube and all these these things, but I think a lot of people still need to 
kind of get more hands on, you know. So at Paystack, we've we've started doing more workshops in South Africa and just trying to like be more helpful, like getting people started, you know, creating these like little mastermind groups where people can share and connect people. I think there needs to be more of that because it is, even though if you're used to these things, it sounds easy. It's not that easy for a lot of people. And I think that's still a big barrier, you know, like in some ways with payments and Paystack, we think about the opportunity being to go win big businesses and power payments for them. And that's that's true. But I think for Nigeria and South Africa, there's for every one of those, there's like a thousand businesses that just are still learning how to think how to do this, you know, and whether this makes sense for them. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big challenge and we're working on it. <laughs> so it, on the issue of training, yeah, what kind of value do you think, you know, these small business owners who are not exactly skilled or, you know, do not have, you know, the necessary knowledge, what kind of value do you think, you know, gets in them upskilled or gets in them up to date, you know, with the right knowledge? What value will it bring to the ecosystem? Well, I think the value to to them could be massive, right? Because I think it, it could mean someone whose world is trading in their town being exposed to like a whole new market, right? And you take someone with that entrepreneurial passion and hardworking fire, you know, and they mm-hmm. can learn something and then tap into something completely new, you know? So I think it's... Um, I think that's very exciting, you know, like kind of segueing into the startup space. I think that's what makes, you know, I'm I'm originally from the States. That's what makes working in these markets in Africa very interesting. People trying to solve issues, you know. So I I think about like, you know, there's, there's some students I've met recently that are trying to solve like bringing healthy food via a digital experience into uh, the informal settlements in South Africa, right? Like those kind of problems are really interesting that are people are trying to solve and that comes from them learning how to be entrepreneurial you know in in in, in university where they're at and then taking that to like do something from a business and social perspective that's very powerful so yeah i think it's it's massive um from our from our point of view i guess it's just we're not a, you know at pace like in south africa we're about 40 people you know so we're trying to do as much as we can, but we're also just trying to also tap into communities of people that are like-minded to support them too. And just like, see if we can't together, you know, solve some of these things. So, yeah. Okay, quite interesting. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned since you, you know, took up setting shop in South Africa for Paystack? Mm, That's a good question. I do think initially we were just a few people and we were being supported by the broader team at Paystack outside of South Africa. And I think we realized, and maybe this is true of every country, you know, but we really needed to bring like localize everything, you know, like our support phone number. We need like to, to, to be serious in South Africa, South Africans wanted to know that they're dealing with people maybe not necessarily in their city, but that understand their context. I think that is probably true of many markets, but it just seemed very, very important here. I do think it's interesting, you know, like we heard from a lot of merchants that they had never met their payment provider before us, you know, so because we, we, we spent a lot of time like in person going to businesses. And so I guess 
in some ways it hasn't been massively difficult to impress some businesses, but it's just by being in person and being helpful and being friendly. But that seems to matter. I do think in South Africa, you know, burned our fingers with some support issues early on and realized like South Africans are not, I don't think they're that used to having great support experiences, but it's like the main way that we could differentiate ourselves in South Africa by trying to like have really good response times, get people live really quickly. And so I think that's been a really, really big one. What else can I share? I guess, you know, some of our competitors that have been here for 10 years have so many payment me methods, you know, like, you know, like, like a dozen payment methods. And when we launched, we had just like the three main ones. We've since added a few more, but we kind of realized that we don't necessarily like need to copy them and have all of those. Like merchants are mainly happy with like, you know, card and some of the wallet options and app, you know, we've launched Apple Pay. Like we really want to think about different ways that we can solve like problems. Cause if we're just chasing payment methods, we could spend all of our time just trying to be copycats, you know? So I think we're just trying to really focus on things that are impactful, you know? People in e-commerce mainly care about the big brands, the, the conversion rate, the success rate, you know? So our focus has been a bit more on making sure that when someone tries to pay, that it's successful and that it has the, the least amount of friction as possible. Like if someone has to go through like 10 steps, you might lose them. So we're rather thinking about things like that. Like, so yeah, I guess that, those are a few anyways. Um, it's been a great experience and I think fun. It's very fun. We talked about the banter from last night. It's very fun to be part of a Pan-African um, <laughs> company and being able to be exposed to, you know, like we've launched in Kenya now, mm -hmm. we're working on other markets. It's really cool to just understand the nuances in each of those markets. Uh, did anything really drive that decision to try to approach you know, the customers, like being in person with the customers? Was, was anything driving that particular move? Before we launched, we spent about six months um, while we were getting things set up with our financial partners, meeting with, I guess, all the stakeholders and payments, right? So it's like developers, online stores, startups, mm -hmm. other logistics companies, like anyone sort of adjacent to payments. Mm -hmm. And I think I just realized like, you know, it's a bit of an advantage when you're starting to, be the new kid on the block. I mean, and even sometimes play a little bit dumb, like when you're, before you started, I mean, once you're trying to offer a service, you can't be too dumb because, because no one's going to use your service. But, you know, I think out of that experience of going slow and making relationships, we had a lot of people that wanted to support us and were almost on our team when we launched or when we went into public beta that kind of wanted to advocate for us, wanted to see us win. So I guess it's just out of that experience that we just felt like this is the better way to sell. Because, you know, when you're getting started in a new market, I think people already, you're kind of on your back foot a little bit sometimes. People haven't heard of you. They maybe don't trust you. And we're talking about payments here. This is people's credit card information, yep. you know. Yep. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So. I think any advantage we had to win 
the trust of people we needed to we, we needed to jump on that and 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 you know i think we're in a different place now but i still also just enjoy you know enjoy the interaction of people and solving problems in person and i think a lot of people also appreciate that so yeah i think that's that's where it came from and yeah i think it's it's probably good advice for any businesses entering new markets to to consider that approach uh thank you very much for that thank you for that one consider it consider it in case you're thinking of you know expanding into you know new markets that's really good advice now let's talk about payment tech the payment technology itself in terms of the opportunities that it has created and keeps creating for african companies what amount of value based on maybe feedback you know and interaction do you think has been created by platforms like yours mm yeah that's a good that's a good question well i think i think it's massive right especially in you know in some of the markets where paystack operates i mean starting with nigeria there there wasn't someone doing what we were doing you know so if you were a developer you know that didn't have funding <laughs> and needed to get started with payments and wanted to build things a certain way i think paystack has been kind of a catalyst for for that in nigeria and i think you know a lot of my colleagues especially ones that have been there since the beginning take great pride in seeing the success of like so many startups around them you know and feeling like even before the stripe acquisition feeling like they're part of that in some way you know so it's it's a great place to be in when your business is literally being trusted with helping them collect money and be a business and you know it's a great business to be part of making a small piece of the growth of you know it's kind of like the tides rising like they always say you know being part of payments is like that like we want our merchants to be successful and we're also successful when that happens and i think going forward you know there's still so many big challenges that we're faced with every day like um being part of stripe you know we talk to a lot of multinational companies that want to enter africa and it's still not very easy for them and even in south africa if we talk to merchants that want to enter Nigeria um which many of them do right especially startups they're like we need to prove we can go beyond South Africa right and while it's easy with paystack from a um, integration perspective right very easy one integration all the markets were in it's not that easy from a compliance perspective and so compliance and moving money and all these things exchange rates so many things you know that we we can talk about them if you want but it's like Yeah, I think we're still scratching the surface of what's possible for for Africa and there's still so many challenges we're trying to solve, you know, for people trying to do business across the continent, to do business abroad and and it's always the most fun for me when we can do something that other people can't do and it unlocks like like oh that's so cool that I can do this thing, right? You know, and so we love those kind of problems. But yeah, I don't know. I I'm happy to answer more questions on that, but I think it's it's a very exciting space to be in, but it's it's also really really challenging. So, there's a there's a time in uh, the history of Nigeria's financial like a time in the fintech space that you would, the, the moment you you hear regulation or regulators, you know, everyone you know, runs like 
everyone just takes cover. What has yeah. the relationship been like, you know, since you, you know, started, you know, managing uh, things at Paystike in South Africa? Um, and mm. what advice would you give if, a, you know, a regulator was listening to this particular episode, you know, coming from someone who's, you know, a player <laughs> and a stakeholder? Like, yeah, I'm not like, oh, so, so just something they say yeah. in Nigeria, yeah, where you can, mm. you can talk to someone, but like talk through someone, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to, to, to take this as like talking through, you know, us to, you know, the regulators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm not that clued up and involved in any of the regulator type queries or things in Nigeria. I mean, obviously, like, we're quite a transparent company. So, sometimes you'll you'll see a photo or something of, you know, like our team meeting with the regulators in a, in a certain country or whatever. And, we, you always wear a suit, you know. <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> very, always very formal. I mean, most of the comments are like, "Oh wow, I've never seen that person in a suit in a long time," right? Yeah. But um, in South Africa, I can say, and, and and maybe this comes back to your question about like differences in markets or things that I've learned. South Africa, the frameworks and the way regulators work with banks is maybe a bit more prescriptive, like maybe there's not as much gray areas or things. Um, I've mainly been involved in South Africa, but it just seems like just the, 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 the things that are being prescribed to us to operate here are really, really clear. And in some ways it seems like they're much clearer than other markets that we're in. Like I'm speaking more to new markets that we're pursuing than, than West Africa, but like we've done things in South Africa for the first time in some ways you know like just different mm-hmm. things like when a, when a merchant reaches a certain size they need to sign up with a bank right or things like that like it's 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 there's a lot of nuance to how it's done in south africa and i'm not sure if that's because say like digital payments has been adopted for longer here or what the what the reason is i guess if i was to say anything to regulators in south africa I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of critiques. I think there's some ambiguity around how crypto, you know, like South Africa generally has been open to crypto. And from a from a like a PR standpoint, you know, uh, there will be press releases like crypto, is, you know, being accepted or whatever, you know, but like it doesn't always percolate down to the level where we actually know what what we can do with that. You know, so I guess some of that's on the banks, actually, maybe more than the regulators. But yeah, it just puts us in a spot where you get mixed messages sometimes, you know, and that's hard. It's hard to we want to be able to set very clear expectations for merchants. If they want to come work with us, we want to be able to say this is how it works. And what ends up happening sometimes in these in, in certain industries is that you end up having to take each opportunity and go chat with a million different players to see if it if it's possible or not and that's just that's hard it's hard work hmm. okay okay that's interesting so if there's like some more clarity on you know crypto and other related assets it would be you know you would embrace it with like you know both arms and you'd, <laughs> you you'd run with it yeah and, the, and and also them going and like getting everyone in in the financial sector to also agree to what <laughs> what the standard is but <laughs> but all the banks have their own you know, appetites for how they want to do things. So that's maybe a tall 
ask for them. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. uh, well, where, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 20, 2024, yeah? What are your expectations? It, this can be, you know, personal. It can be as, you know, the country uh, lead um, for Paystack. And it can be expectations for the mm. space and the ecosystem. You can, you know, cascade that, you know, all the way down as you wish. Yeah. I know 2023, I think, for South Africa was quite a hard year. As Paystack, we did we did well, you know, but... And, and I think you can look at days like Black Friday to see kind of merchants that we've had multiple years now to kind of see like how big was the spike on that day. And it gives you a little bit of an indication of how people are spending and how, how much growth they see on those days. Um, so I really hope, I mean, this is more of a hope than expectation, but I really hope that we see an increase in funding for startups and more of an interest in Africa. And I hope that, um, you know, while we still see a lot of positive things in South Africa on the e-com side in terms of like number of stores is up you know last year was up from the year before it's a, it's actually at the same levels as during covid like so there's lots of people creating online stores and a lot of activity happening um, i just hope that the economy in south africa you know can do well there's a lot there's a lot of like challenges i mean all of us have them i know there's a lot in nigeria too but i just um hoping that some of those things can can improve for South Africa. Personally, I think at Paystack, I think we're in a really good place. It's kind of an inflection point for South Africa where we've grown really well. You know, we've done very well. We have thousands of merchants. We've got some really great logos in our books. You know, merchants are really proud of. I think we're poised to do really well this year. People are starting to know us more, you know, and it just it just feels like like things are in a great place for us to have a standout year and I think um, that's what I'm expecting and hopeful for this year is just for us to win some of those exciting merchants be even more present on the ground build out our team more you know and and really help South Africans grow you know so I sometimes feel like Paystack South Africa is like the best kept secret you know when we get it in front of people they you can see like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than <laughs> than what we have. But it's always like a frustration that keeps me up at night. Like, why don't more people like switch to us? How do we get this out there? You know? So I think I think this is this is the year where we make a bigger splash. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it, Anthony. I mean, I can keep you can see I don't have a problem speaking, so I can blabber on more if you want, but <laughs> those are some of my expectations. <laughs> okay, so let's let's round up this conversation with an advice on how businesses can leverage e-commerce to better position themselves to be much more competitive, mm-hmm. you know, in the year. Yeah, cool. I yeah, I, I can give some tips on that. I guess the first one, and this goes a little bit back to my comments on drop shipping but i think you really have to have a good product and know your audience well you know and like really just it starts with having a good product if you don't have a good product what are you doing you know so <laughs> i think knowing your audience well when you know that like when you know who your customer is and your people you can start to cater everything to that you know the marketing everything i think having a really great digital experience is is key so 
if you have the budget to to hire professionals you know i think there's a lot of these really at any budget level you can find people to help you but the nice thing is they work with other brands and so they can help you create a digital experience but if you're doing it yourself that's fine too but you know i would suggest people join online communities and ask for feedback and things like that cuz if your site doesn't function well and you're not creating a good experience across social media and on your site or app like you're wasting your time <laughs> you know you need to you need to, need to get that right definitely like social proofing your business so just making sure you have good reviews you have customer testimonials on your website in different places i think that's really key especially if you're a small business that is kind of newish and you're not sure if people are going to trust you social proofing is really key and there's apps there's apps like yappo and a bunch of them that will help you get reviews from your customers so i would totally suggest that obviously with payments i mean you need to choose a payment provider that creates a really good experience and obviously i'm very biased cuz i work at paystack but we've put a lot of thought into the way that our checkout and checkout works with online stores so honestly we've got it <laughs> really we've really got that nailed down and i think lastly i would say you need to focus on building your audience and converting them to customers and then thinking about how you keep them as customers so you tools like google analytics using a mail marketing tool like mailchimp there's there's free options for that or even shopify or woocommerce and wix have their own email marketing tools you can use but you got to think about that and make sure on top of things like abandoned cart you can play around with ads and retargeting but like these are all big things for 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 managing conversion so yeah those are some of my tips i think there's there's so much out there to be helpful to like honestly yeah i think you can search like how do i do e-commerce and find you know find the most popular videos and watch them like there's good stuff there so <laughs> people okay. know more than i do okay that should yeah. work that works <laughs> that works that's that's yeah. already works. that works thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com